So chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to, th to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Monty and Addison, thank you. I, I say that because you can, of course, see them behind their masks. And <laughs> hard to pick out in the crowd. Matthew tells an account out of the fifth chapter. Verse 3. Jesus had gone out at the beginning of his ministry proclaiming the gospel in all of Galilee. Fame had spread across the land about him and people were bringing all their sick to him to be healed. In Matthew 5, leading up to verse 3, he says that looking out over the crowds, Jesus sat down on the mountainside and his disciples came to him and he began to teach. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for, those, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now we of course all know that that's like the opening line to one of the longest recorded discourses that we have from Jesus in our New Testament, right? It probably presents as like one of the most beautifully crafted opening sentences to a historical bestseller. How many readers have we got out here? Who, who, has, who are authors and readers? How do you know that that, like that first line is the thing that sets the hook, right? If you're a fisherman, you understand that, right? It's really important to set the hook before the fish spits it. <laughs> Jesus sets the hook for his discourse, what I've called his manifesto of life, there with that, with that one sentence, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The purpose of the line is to engage with us. With all of the people there, not unlike us, who all have ears to listen. And for everyone who knows their desperate need. Blessed are the poor in spirit. How many, when you hear that, think of yourself? It's an invitation for everyone who knows about their desperate need. God is with you. And he wants you to know that his kingdom is yours. God wants us to breathe this knowledge into the deepest spaces of our lives and into our soul. Like an infant waking up in this promised new world and struggling to simply find breath. 
Those first few breaths can seem like an eternity for an expectant parent who are quietly and prayerfully pleading, just breathe, just breathe, baby, breathe. How many know that feeling? God is inviting you and I to just sit down with him and to just breathe his goodness in. Are you able to picture that? The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. That's what Monty and Andy and Addison read to us. It is good for those who depend on him. Have you ever found yourself in a desperate place? What, can you put your finger on what maybe that desperation might be? Are you desperate for changes in your heart? Desperate, desperate for some understanding of yourself or of someone close to you? Are you maybe desperate for healing in your body? That's one that Debbie and I can relate to these days. Debbie and I are desperately hopeful for healing in her body. Many of you have been praying for her, and you might have received her update that after having received her MRI, they've, they've actually located a bulging disc in her between her C5 and C6, I think is what she has stated there. And it, it creates a tremendous numbing, like from her hand through to her shoulder. And, and when she was asked, you know, early on in the stages, like what pain her pain level was, hold was, she asked her what the scale was, and she says, "Well, if 10's the top, then I'm, I'm probably about a 15." She says, "This is from a girl who actually has a pretty high threshold for pain." Are you desperate for healing in your body? Are you desperate for your loved ones to find the healing that they need? Desperate for any kind of healing, any kind of reconciliation to a broken relationship. And are you willing for God to reveal what the answer to your prayers might look like? Because sometimes they look different than the things that we ask for. Our writer to the book of Lamentation is Jeremiah. He knows a thing or two about heartache about loss, about desperation. There's a very good reason why theologians called him the weeping prophet. In his 40 years as an active messenger for God, he was a witness to the reigns of five kings for Judah. It included the experienced trauma of Jerusalem's fall and the eventual destruction of Solomon's temple. And though we don't know, he quite likely ended his life, the remainder of his life, living as a foreigner in Egypt, vainly trying to turn the Israelites back to God. 
But in all of this, Jeremiah never turned away from being a faithful witness of God's love. Verse 22, I read for you again, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And listen to what he says, speaking to his own soul. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Do you ever find yourself speaking to yourself? Do you ever find somebody listening to you, speaking to yourself? <laughs> uh, my, Debbie often is asking me, what are you saying? It's okay. <laughs> I, I might be having a conversation, but it's not with you. I try, I try to mumble and throw her off once in a while because I, I realize I've been just talking to myself again. I say to myself, the Lord, you are my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in you. So what's interesting about the book of Lament is that couched right in the middle of actually a despairing lament. That's why it's called Lamentations. It's a book of lament. Jeremiah turns his attention to the Lord. And for all of us like him who know their own desperate need, Jeremiah shares what Jesus so gloriously proclaims in the opening to his discourse on the mountain, that the kingdom and love of the Lord is never-ending. His mercy is without end. And his faithfulness and mercy towards you, who is still working out salvation in your life, his faithfulness and mercy towards you are being renewed every morning. How many of you guys get up in the morning and say, Jesus, what do you got for me today? What are we going to... I hope you're doing that. Because according to Jeremiah, Jesus, your mercies are made new every morning. What merciful thing have you got that you want to share with me today? What's that? Or oh, you're talking to yourself? <laughs> See, that's what I do with my wife. Yeah. There you go. Maybe I should try wearing a mask to bed. That might help. I don't know. That's, yeah, rabbit trail, my wife would say. Jeremiah shares what Jesus so gloriously proclaims. The kingdom and love of the Lord is yours. It's yours. It's not holding back. He's held nothing back. He poured out his life on the cross for you and I. He destroyed the power of sin and death for you and I, and he invites us to follow him into that. The kingdom and love of the Lord is yours, the kingdom of heaven. It's your inheritance. To everyone who puts his trust in him, just breathe it in. Just breathe it in.
you kind, of, you kind of wonder, like Jesus, maybe having exhausted everything he could say to the disciples in John in the upper room, he gets to that point where he just breathes on them, doesn't he? <laughs> just breathe it in, boys. I need you to breathe this in. I know it's a lot to take in, but I need you to breathe this in. Do you believe it? Do you believe that the kingdom and the love of the Lord is yours? Debbie and I met in a backyard connection with our vineyard church neighbors. Where's Kelowna from here? About that way, right? Is it really that way? Oh, man. I'm in salmon armed. Okay. We met with them just inside this week. The Ruises, the acting senior pastors for Kelowna Vineyard and the national directors for Vineyard Canada, they were gracious hosts. Our conversations landed around questions asked about our, our personal lives, our families, around our church communities. And progressively and very naturally, we moved into a dialogue about regional and national activity that is shaping up in our vineyard family. And not unlike probably many of your conversations today, although they they might be getting a little stale. We ended up having a conversation about the effects of COVID that is being expressed in our lives and experienced across our nation. And inevitably, the conversation reflected on the effects of the Spanish flu because Anita had done some extensive reading on it. And, and I don't know how much you know about the history of the Spanish flu, but it infected over 500 million people across this world. Killed an estimated 20 to 50 million people. More people died from the virus than all the soldiers and civilians killed during World War I combined. It was a global pandemic that lasted for two years, and the most significant number of deaths were packed actually into three especially cruel months in the fall of 1918. It was what they call like the second wave of the Spanish flu. These are actually things that, believe it or not, we're actually hearing about. Historians now believe that the, that the fatal severity of the Spanish flu's second wave was caused by a mutated virus spread by wartime troop movements. I've heard some historians present the thought that it was maybe the Spanish flu that finally put the brakes on the World War I events because there was no healthy men left in the fields to fight. Into which I interject with this statement. I want to say to you that I am standing here as God's living witness to you. What on earth, David? Where are you going? His living witness that God can work anything to redeem even the worst of situations. I'm here today, and this is a statement I made with David and Anita, I'm here today because of the Spanish flu. You see, part of my testimony is the testimony of my forefathers. Julian Seward Marquis, he was born in 1892. That was my 
mother's father. He was born in Watertown, South Dakota. He was the fourth of six children. He was articling as a lawyer in Saskatchewan, Canada. Hearing all the reports, my grandfather, Julian Marquis, tried to first volunteer for the Canadian military because he wanted to go over and, and defend the cause. He was refused by the Canadian military. The likely contributor, I'm told, was, was maybe his eyesight. But that didn't uh, keep Julian from trying. Julian didn't give up, but he, he crossed stateside again, and he was accepted into the American Army. And in his final weeks of training, before they were getting ready to be shipped out, he contracted, you got it, Spanish flu. And overcome by the effects of the flu, Julian remained behind while his entire regiment shipped out for the fighting in Europe. And during their overseas transport across the Atlantic, the regiment's ship was sunk, and the entire company of his friends and soldiers were lost. I find myself as this is hardly something to marvel over. I remember hearing these report almost as a semi-interested, disinterested kid, right? But more in these days than ever, I got to say that it's a fact that actually hurts my heart to think of the loss. But it does make a person realize the important worth of just one life that was saved from destruction. And how God can still bring goodness out of something that is just so tragic. There's so much that is unseen. So much that Father God knows that we don't know. <laughs> and we just have to Trust him with that, don't we? Doesn't mean that we can't inquire. Doesn't mean that we can't ask the questions. But we have to trust him with the answer and when he gives it and what he, what he says and what he doesn't. So much we simply don't know. But we must count ourselves blessed. We must count ourselves blessed if we know that we have a need for him. We must count ourselves blessed if we know that the Lord is faithful to you in this life. And then he'll be faithful to you in the life that is to come. And blessed are you if you, like me, can say his mercies never end. The kingdom and love of the Lord is ours who follow after him this kingdom of heaven. It's our inheritance who put our trust in him.
I asked you some questions at the front end of things. Have you found yourselves in a desperate place? Maybe some of you are saying, I've been there. And I've heard his answer. I've felt his reply. Are you desperate for the Lord to reveal and change some things in your heart? Maybe that's you today. Are you maybe even desperate for a deeper understanding of how God sees you? Are you like maybe Debbie and I, desperate for healing in your body? I want to take the end of our time here and I was going to ask the worship team to see if they wanted to come and close us off on a note or two. It's such an awkward thing to actually stir up need where we need, obviously, not only need God, but need the comfort of one another. And then we send out bulletins that say, now you've all got to socially distance. No. (laughs) Really? When the last thing that we feel like we can use right now is distance, maybe some... Some introverts are going, I really like this, this distancing thing. Oh, yeah. I hear a few people still celebrating. But I'm wondering if if there are any of you here that came with some need that you would like us as the body of Christ to help carry with you. Is it anything that you want to even share from here, from You can stand up and share from where you are. It's a little, we might be a little hard pressed to hear, but if you got a good voice. Well, it's really great to be here. Um, I just I want to keep I want to make this short and sweet. Um, can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah, I just want to make this short, short and sweet. Um, yeah, there's been a, l- a lot of healing in my life uh, over the last couple of months. Um, my, my mom is terminal right now. <clears throat> she has a brain tumor. And um, it's been 
many years of anguish, of um, unresolve, of having really what it's broken down to is maybe like three or four conversations about a couple things. Um, and it's, re it's all, re I feel it's all resolved now. Um, and you know, for whatever, whatever reason, God's brought me, brought me through that. It's been very, very, very difficult. <laughs> um, but I just really feel that, um, that he's going to use it, and I'm, I'm, I feel like a wide open book, uh, you know, to anybody that's going through. Uh, I guess similar to my story, right? Like I'll be, I'll be drawn to people. I'll be, I'll be put in situations and be able to speak into them, and and that. So um, I feel a lot of a lot of grace and a lot of release. And I feel free. I feel free. And um, yeah, <laughs> some of you that have known me a long time, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you for sharing that.